Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Monday, April 17th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Voters in Turkey are heading to the polls next month, and it could be a nail-biter. Many people say this is the toughest election battle Erdogan's had in two decades in power. One of the biggest U.S. brokerages lost a major shareholder in the recent banking panic. And companies around the world are biting at Washington's industrial subsidies. We've got some new data. I'm Jess Smith, in for Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Companies have committed more than $200 billion to U.S. manufacturing projects in the past year. That's since U.S. lawmakers passed the Inflation Reduction Act and the CHIPS Act. Both these laws are aimed at boosting key U.S. industries like clean tech and semiconductors. So there's lots of subsidies. The FT compiled data and they show that commitments in those two industries is double what it was in 2021. In the past month, several Asian companies, including Korea's LG, have announced deals. The U.S. brokerage Charles Schwab reports earnings today, and it's an interesting one to watch because this broker is also a lender. So its shares tanked during last month's panic over bank stability. Now, during that time, one of Schwab's biggest shareholders totally bailed. An asset manager called GQG Partners sold its entire $1.4 billion stake in Schwab, and it had only recently bought those shares. Here's the FT's Ortensa Aliai. It's unusual for a company or an investment firm to buy in and sell out so quickly. Usually, they tend to hold the shares for a bit longer, especially with companies like Charles Schwab. But I don't think it's that surprising considering what we experienced in March, when no one was expecting uh, two banks to fail in succession. But timing the market is notoriously a a difficult, um, difficult endeavor. Hortensa says GQG's decision to dump its entire $1.4 billion investment in Schwab may look like an overreaction, but she says the firm does manage about $90 billion in assets. They also are involved in multiple other companies. They're big in the tech space. So I think it was probably a decision for them personally to reinvest the money elsewhere. But I think it just shows that there is a lot of nervousness And investors are clearly concerned that there might still be some risks lurking around, whether that's at Charles Schwab or regional lenders. Hortensa Aliai is the FT's M&A correspondent. In Turkey, voters are going to the polls next month, and analysts say longtime president Recep Tayyip Erdogan faces his toughest challenge in years. Polls show that he's neck and neck with his main challenger, 74-year-old economist Kemal Kılıçdaroğlu. That's him at a packed rally in northwest Turkey. But the FT's Adam Sampson went to central Turkey to speak with voters. He joins me now. Hey, Adam. Hi, Jess. So, Adam, I want to play a recording you took outside your hotel window. It's the sound of evening prayers from a nearby mosque in central Konya. That's the city you visited. So, And it's also a hint of why you chose to visit the city, right? Yeah, well, the reason I went there was because it's been just a major bastion of support for Erdogan 
It's a very religious part of the country. It's very conservative. And that's something that Erdogan plays to. He, Erdogan's a very pious politician. It's something he talks about very, very frequently. So I went there really to take the temperature of how the people that have typically really supported the president are going to vote this time. I don't think people think it's going to suddenly you know, turn and, and go for the opposition. But even if he loses a bit there, that's an indication of how tight a race this is going to be. You know, a lot of the polls are showing the president neck and neck with Kemal Klitsch to Many people say this is the toughest election battle Erdogan's had in two decades in power. So what are the key issues then? We, we've heard there's a lot of anger over the way the government responded to the horrific earthquake in February. I mean, did that erode any support for Erdogan or is the economy still the main frustration for voters? I mean, the economy is definitely a top factor in this election. Basically, it's between that and the government's response to the earthquake. I'd say many, many people are very frustrated about the inflation situation. You know, it's just totally rampant. It's out of control. For the average person in Konya, they would like the inflation issue to improve. I mean, A, the price of going to the supermarket and buying a chicken has shot up. So that's a problem. But the other issue also is people's pensions have been eroded by years and years and years of inflation. But again, not everybody necessarily blames the government. A couple of people I talked to said they were Erdogan supporters, and now they've sort of changed their mind. And then other people I spoke with said, actually, Erdogan's doing the best he can, and there's all these sort of foreign forces working against us, which is a really big government line. And what's really interesting is one thing you didn't hear was a huge amount of optimism about the opposition or the leader of the six-party coalition, um, a politician named Kemal Kılıçdaroğlu. So speaking of the opposition, is Erdogan's main challenger, Kılıç Darolu, is he doing a good job taking advantage of these frustrations? Kılıç Darolu, he's not known as the most charismatic politician, and he's had trouble really pulling people in. So he's had trouble really taking advantage of it as fully as he probably could, according to a lot of analysts and indeed a lot of the people I talked to who said, I'm not massively excited. He's a guy who's been in politics, just like Erdogan, for a really long time. And people who want change aren't necessarily going to gravitate towards somebody who's sort of seen as a veteran politician. Adam, it doesn't sound, or at least from your conversations with the voters in Konya, it doesn't sound like Erdogan's on the precipice. But say he did lose the election, what, what would that mean for foreign investors? There'd be huge ripples for investors. I think there's this idea that if the opposition won, they would go to a much more conventional economic policy, which could see foreign money flowing back in. If a lot of foreign money has flown out in recent years because people, you know, investors don't understand Erdogan's policy. You know, they worry about stability, that sort of thing. So going back to voters in Konya, is there one comment that you recall of all the people you spoke to? Is there a conversation that really stands out to you? One comment I thought was really interesting that's sort of contrary to all this, but I think is, is really, really important to remember. I was sitting in sort of this square and we were just sitting on a bench talking to this pensioner. Um, he was dressed in like incredibly nicely. And he was saying, Erdogan is the greatest. He is somebody who's religious, Muslim. And he remembers a time when it was very, very hard to be a Muslim in public institutions because Turkey was a very sort of, you know, secular republic. Um, some people felt they went too far with that. And this guy was saying, you know, it's amazing now to see police officers and Air Force people in turbans. And that does, that does represent a lot of Erdogan's base. Adam Sampson is the FT's Turkey correspondent. Thanks, Adam. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure as always. 
Before we go, Europe's response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine has caused all kinds of unintended pain. The latest, furious farmers in EU countries that border Ukraine. See, after the war began, Brussels scrapped tariffs and quotas on Ukrainian grain imports. Now there's a glut, and grain prices in those countries have crashed. Angry farmers have staged protests and blockaded roads. So this past weekend, Poland, which is one of Ukraine's strongest supporters, halted Ukrainian grain imports temporarily. Hungary did the same. You can read more on all these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.